You're listening to GGR Pirate Radio. Don't be a juice bag. I hear the bells down in the canyons. It's snow in New York. Some blue December, I'm gone to the moon. About to go and I'm calling to you. Throughout the world, all I can hear the bells. Like Dave Roll totally beats Tenacious D in the rock show. He's the devil. What is the name of that song? I'm gonna pull it up right now. But like when he Beal the Boss. Beal the Boss, yeah. When he pulls up, like and they play their little like moment that they have. Like and they're like, you know, we're gonna play our song because we're friends and it's great. And then Dave Grohl just goes, "You guys are fucking lame." Like that's like my favorite yeah. part of that whole thing. I need to listen to that album again because it's been a while. Like oh, I remember just yeah. thinking, "Master Exploder" was the greatest thing I've ever heard. Oh yeah, no, it totally is. Like that's the, the whole album though is great. Like I'm actually gonna I'm actually gonna play Beelzebub Boss right now because um you've seen the film as well, right? Yes. The so, scene where they play Master Exploder too, yeah. where like they're just regular dudes at like an open mic at the bar or whatever, and then they just progressively get more and more heavy metal until <laughs> freaking like, Kyle's playing like the double like guitar and stuff, and it's like the spread legs and everything. <laughs> he's got like four <laughs> arms. And he, starts, yeah. <laughs> he starts singing, and the microphone bursts into flames. Yeah. yeah. Oh man. But this is like as a huge Foo Fighters fan too, just seeing Dave Grohl as the uh, as the devil. And like just, just killing it on the drums too, right? Oh, like yeah. But yeah, this is um we're it's actually playing right now in the background. But god, this is such a good song. Yeah, I remember listening to the crap out of that album. Yeah. Yeah, I went and saw this in the movie theaters with uh, with my little brother, and then I also uh, with Ben. Ben Shaw went with us too, and like we just it was it was just a a great melange of like weird random people that were in the movie theater too. It was like like stoners, like mostly just stoners, right? But like just like sure. some yeah. of them, some of them were like younger kids, and some of them were like older adults. But it was just like a good cross section of people. Like it was. It was just—it was a fun movie, man. It was stupid as shit, but God, it was fun. Like, you're wondering, like, how did this group uh, even get together? Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. It's just. Hold on, I, I'll be right back. One second. Okay. One second. All right. Sorry, my bad. Oh, you're good. Check this riff. It's fucking tasty. <laughs> I really think that like the Foo Fighters could totally cover this and just make it a single. Like it would be, it would be dope. Yeah. But Plus, just, like, just Dave Grohl. Like, I love the fact that he's just like bros with those guys. Yeah. Well, it's um, I'm trying to remember the exact relationship but his wife's sister 
is Jack Black's sister, if I remember correctly? Or something like that? Like sister-in-law or like something yeah it's there's some relationship where like okay so they did a um they did an acoustic tour right this is like god this had to be like 12 13 years ago maybe even longer than that um maybe like 15 years ago um and they played uh the constitution hall in dc and they had this girl named petra hayden who was like this violinist like classical violinist right and she her sister is married to Jack Black, I think. I'll have to look it up. But, like, still, like, that's what's that's what's amazing about this. Is like, you literally can have a dude who can do, like, an amazing acoustic set. And then also, you know, be dressed up as the devil wearing the horns and the goat legs. And, you know, rocking out on the drum kit, you know? Oh, yeah. That's the best part about some of these dudes is, like, they can just do so many things. But it's not, like, showy. Like, they're, I mean, they're not being, like... I'm the best because I can play like all the instruments. They're like, let's just go do this crazy movie where I dress up as a devil and we just have a good time with it. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. It's, it's, they're they're coming back right now and they're they're playing their song and saying our song's better because we're best friends and we gotta let this play so everybody can hear it. Obviously. You bring back so many memories right now. You guys are fucking lame. Come on, Cage, you're coming You guys are fucking lame. Best. From once you came, you shall remain until you are complete again. I remember, was it Guitar Hero 3 that had the metal on there? Yes. That that song was hard as balls. I think that was like the song, that was the song they were playing during like the credits. Like I don't think that was like in the movie or whatever. No, yeah, it's, yeah, it was like in the credits, yeah. <laughs> and I love that his dad was Meatloaf. Right, yeah. <laughs> and that and he's, and he's praying to Dio. Like, yeah. Oh, uh, Ronnie James Dio. Bye. Yeah, I know, right? But, like, see, fuck, I gotta go listen to that song, too. Anyway. I hear you, brave young Jables. You are hungry for the rock. Yeah. We're just gonna, that, apparently, this is gonna be our podcast tonight. It's just us listening to Tenacious. Just talking about the and everyone's like, why are you talking about this? Yeah. I don't care. It's our damn podcast. Um,. Yeah, boy. I think it's going to be a little different tonight because initially we had some guests planned. Um, MC, but grew Yeah, it's, I think it's going to be... Well, no, because one of them can't come on tonight. Um, and MC is at AwesomeCon, which we're going to get a report from him. Um, yeah, so we will... We'll pull an audible here, and I think that we'll uh, we'll kind of just talk about a bunch of different stuff. I think we'll talk about fun concept albums. We'll talk about... Um, just awesome music in general like stuff that like and that's the other thing too is like I want I want it to kind of be like we know what kind of stuff you like Steve like if it's metal if it's prog rock it's Steve Monick's wheelhouse I want to see like some stuff that even you were just like I didn't really think I would be into this but I was and I really enjoyed it um some stuff that's kind of outside of our realm 
Okay, so you know what? I haven't heard a word you said. I just in my head. We are the D. We are the D. We <laughs> <laughs> just over and over again. Yeah, um, I think that we'll just we'll focus on music tonight, and we can talk about the fact that we got to go fucking see Dream Theater. Yeah, and that you got to come down um, to the DC area. You can talk a little bit about your trip. I think that'll be. You know what? We'll just make this a very like open, loose. Like no real like like strict format uh, episode tonight. It'll just be uh, us shooting the shit. I think it'll be good. I, I 100% agree. Yeah. Well, I mean, we don't do bad podcasts anyways because you know we're awesome. So not in our minds. <laughs> yeah. Right. Exactly. Um. So let's ten go... out of ten stars every time. Every time would recommend to a friend. Um. Let's go ahead. And let's kick this party off. Oh, Steve, there's a new intro song. It's Dream Theater related. Holy crap. What? Yeah, I know. So, GGR Pirate Radio starts right now. We are starting in five, four, three, two, one. Broadcast starting. Good job. You're listening to GGR Pirate Radio. Don't be a juice bag. Lady, I'm afraid I'm going to have to ask you to leave the store. Who the hell are you? Name's Ash. Housewares. Wayne, you going to win on this? Oh, there's nothing better than a fart. Except kids falling off bikes, maybe. I could watch kids fall off bikes all day. I don't give a shit about your kids. It's called Pilot Radio. But, Peter, why would they make you president? Well, maybe it's because I can recite all 50 states in a quarter of a second. This is called Pilot Radio. Before we get started, does anyone want to Be like, oh, these are stupid guns. Guns uh. are for jerks. <laughs> this is called Pilot Radio. Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, children of all ages, my name is Mike Lunsford, and this is GGR Pirate Radio. Guys, we are back for another wonderful episode this evening. Uh, we are going to be talking music, we're going to be talking about Steve's recent trip down to the D.C. area, and whatever else strikes our fancy. We'll have a, uh, a live from Awesome Con report from Mr. MC Brooks. Uh, he's actually in the uh, Luke Cage slash Mike Coulter um, panel right now at Awesome Con. So after he's done with that, he's going to jump on. Um, but joining me live right now is the co-host and founder, co-founder of the Great Geek Refuge. His name is Steve Monica. As always, I am ready to rock. Hell to the yeah! Uh, so let's jump right into it, Steve. We were actually like while the intro was playing, um, we were talking about um, our little trip. Uh, that we took because you came down, you visited uh, for the for a long weekend, um, mm-hmm. the DC area for the first time. Gosh, what was it since like 2015? Yeah, uh, yeah, like 15, like end of 15, early 16, something like that. Yeah, yeah, it's been a while. Yeah, so Steve came down. Uh, it was good times. Um, we got to go see your favorite band, 
um, in concert, and that was Dream Theater. And just for a second, like, because I mean, I'll, I'll obviously it's your favorite band, so I mean, you can give give your side of things here. Yeah, but like I, I could wax poetic about it. Yeah, all night long until everyone either leaves or kills themselves. But like, <laughs> I'm actually, I think it's more interesting to hear your view of the concert. I, I you are a huge fan of Dream Theater, and it. That's not like any indictment. That's not anything other than fact. You are a huge fan of, of of their work. You know all of their albums. I would say probably by heart. I mean, you know all the tracks. They're they're just they're your jam. And I don't know much about them, really at all, um, other than they are your favorite band. And you you were like hey the new album came out and it came out at midnight but you know like i I couldn't wait so i used a vpn to pretend like i'm in new zealand so i could get it early and i'm like "Uh, all right cool dude like (laughs) you're like you need to see like a professional (laughs) no because like ultimately like i just i love the the passion i love how how much you love this band and i didn't want to listen to their stuff not because I was like, oh, I'm not going to be into this. Their, their stuff is lame. No, no, I wanted to go fresh. I wanted to go to a concert because I've never been to a concert for a group that I've never heard before, if that makes sense. Like, yeah. because because who would? Who would be like, yeah, I'm just going to go to a concert because, yeah, you know, like normally you, you want to know the band. You want to like the band. You want to at least like appreciate their music. But like I wanted a different experience. Like I wanted to see what it was like to go to a concert full of like rabid fans because there's nobody who's just like yeah i like dream theater a little like it's it's either an all or nothing thing with them i feel like i feel like you're either all in or you're just like "Eh, it's not my cup of tea and it was more like i'm sorry go ahead i was just gonna say you're completely correct in that assessment just and i think it's because the nature of the music like the progressive metal that they play i mean they have long songs um, and that was one of the things we talked about, like at the concert and everything. And like, um, yeah, I mean, they have literally like technically the one longest song they have is Six Degrees of Inner Turbulence, which is like 45 minutes long. I mean, it's 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 and it's broken up into different pieces, kind of like a symphony would be where it's like yeah. technically it's one big thing. But you can hear that you know, well, if you put it on a CD, it's different parts. Right. Um, and I think that, you know, you're not going to get like a three minute kind of pop song from them. So there's some investment um, in, in listening to them and dissecting all the different elements to it from a musical standpoint. So, yeah, you're going to get your uber nerds who are really into it or it's like I am not sitting here for 20 minutes and listening to one song. Like I'm just not doing it. And you're right. It's either all or nothing. <laughs> yeah. And that's that was kind of the vibe that I got at the show is there wasn't anybody there who was just like. I don't know. Sometimes you'll see people show up to a concert just just because like they love live music. Um, I don't feel like there was anybody there uh, at that like showed up the day of the concert. I was just like, huh, this dream theater that you speak of. I would like to see this dream theater. <laughs> just just wandered by some guys selling shirts out here. Oh, it must be a show. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Like there was nobody like that didn't know exactly what the fuck was going on. Yeah. Um, what was what was cool though about it too was also like before, like pre-show uh, we went to uh, this really really cool like local place that I had never been to. It's apparently it's like a DC stable. It's called Ollie's Trolley, which was like first off if you didn't go there for the food, um, the interior d- decor is like nightmare fuel 
Um, it's like... <laughs> it's like the worst parts of a carnival yeah, all like, put inside a small yeah, building. I hope you don't like clowns because it'll freak you the fuck out. Like, I mean, no, it's like... Um, it was like Pee-wee's Playhouse, like exploded on the inside of this place. But <laughs> honestly, like it was, it was cool. It was kitschy, but the food was dynamite. Oh. And like, yeah, it was. That's the other thing too is like, don't go there if you're on a diet because, um, yeah, it's not for you. Um, it is definitely for those who are like, I like my burgers greasy. I like my French fries deep fried. Like it's, yeah. I mean, it, it was good. Like I had no complaints about it. I thought it was. I thought it was wonderful. The aroma um, of their food is stronger than whatever willpower you think you have. That that's that's like a that should be like on a sign somewhere. It's like that's that's selling burgers is what that's doing. Yeah. Um, but like, um, it was the food was incredible. But while we were there, everybody that was going to this show could identify each other. Like yep. we we all could like everybody could like like. It was like it was like the Highlander, you know how like you can sense another another immortal around you. It was like that. They were just like, "You're going to the Dreams Theater show, aren't you?" Yeah. As a matter of fact, I am. Good. There can be only one. No, I'm just kidding, man. <laughs> no, but seriously, I'll cut your head off. Seriously, like, don't talk shit about Dream Theater. Um, it was just it was it was a really it was a really intense crowd, but like nobody was um like a gatekeeper, you know? You know how like sometimes you'll get that with the nerd crew. Where they'll like comic book people are like this, uh, video game people are like this, where they're like, "Oh, you're going to the Dream Theater show? Which which your top five favorite albums? You know?" Um, yeah. Yeah. Like nobody quizzed you. Everybody was just like, "They're like, you go to the Dream Theater show, and you're like, yeah." And they're like, "Fucking rock on!" They threw up the horns, and you were like, "Yeah, dude, rock on!" Like that was it. Everybody was just like, "You're going to see this band that I love." Hell yeah! And that was that was all the conversation that was needed. Needless to say, I'm active in the dream theater subreddit and a lot of the questions and i mean there's people giving their opinions on different albums people like stuff people don't like stuff and that's always going to be the case with any sort of art right but the thing that i always find interesting is like about once every other week or so there's a new thread that pops up that's like how do i get like what would be the best thing to introduce someone to get them into dream theater it's never the opposite like you said of being a gatekeeper of being like I put in my time, bro. What have you ever done? It's always like, what's the best way to make someone interested in this thing? It'd be kind of like akin to right now. No one has ever seen an MCU movie and you have like 20 plus movies. You're like, what's the best way to introduce this humongous catalog to somebody? Yeah, yeah, exactly. And like, I think that was the other thing for me too, is like, I didn't go into this really listening to much of their stuff because it's a daunting catalog that they have. This is not like, hey, these guys are new and this is their their first big album. No, this is Dream Theater's been around for for what, 30 years now? More than that. They've been around since the 80s. Like this is this is these are not these guys are not spring chickens, man. But like that's what was cool about it is like these guys were were masters of their craft. Like I was reading I was reading up on their Wikipedia. Um I'm, let me see if I can find it. I don't remember which album it was. I'm sure you do though. Um one of the albums was named like one of the top 100 uh guitar albums of all time. It probably if it, it probably was scenes from a memory. I mean that's kind of like the one that's their biggest like commercial hit, I would yeah. say. I mean the only like single they ever had and they jokingly titled their uh, greatest hits album Greatest Hit and 21 other pretty cool songs. Yeah. <laughs> uh, cause the pull me under from their second album was like their only official, like single that made it onto MTV and all this good stuff. Yeah. But 
scenes from a memory, which is what they played at the show because it's its 20th anniversary this year. Um, so the new album and the the 20th anniversary, that's what formulated the the set list for the show. Um, that one's always like if you searched right now, almost any list where you say best concept album, boom, there it is. Uh, best prog metal album, boom. Like it's it, like if you're looking in their categories for anything, that is the album that's almost always there. Yeah, and it's that that's what was incredible for me. First off, these guys, they, these guys could shred, dude. Like there was not a single dude who was just like, well, this guy's just phoning it in. Like no, everybody was just like into this, and like the lead singer was even like, like between songs was like, hey, how's everybody doing? Listen, I got a sinus infection, and I'm all hopped up on meds right now, but I'm gonna fucking rock, and he did. <laughs> like, like he was, he was. He, like true to true to, you know uh, no false advertising there but yeah like he was he was bringing it man and it was it was awesome to watch and like that's the type of person that I am is like I can watch other people enjoy something and like and, and just enjoy myself because they're enjoying themselves so much if that makes sense oh 1000% because yeah. I mean there's so many times like going back to that MCU thing like the first movie I watched with Mandy was Captain America the First Avenger. Yeah. Because Captain America is my favorite. There's a couple movies out at that point. And she's like, well, maybe let's watch this. And um, I basically, she, you know, we're sitting side by side on the couch. She's looking straight ahead at the TV. I'm turned 90 degrees to the right, staring at her, basically waiting for her reactions to the thing that I like and be like, is she going to like what I like? What part? Oh, this is a joke that's coming up. Is she yeah. going to laugh? You know what I mean? And it's just so fun to watch, um, you know, other people share that experience with you. You're like, this matters to me. How is it impacting you? Yeah, and that's that's yeah. I did the same thing with Sandy. Like, it, it, I she watches something like when we were watching Daredevil. Um, same thing. I was like, is she enjoying this? Like, is she enjoying this as much as I'm enjoying this? And like, that's kind of the fun of it. Is, is I've, I've always been one of those people. You know how like um, we'll use Joey Tribbiani as an example. Um, <laughs> Joey Tribbiani says Joey doesn't share food, right? Um, Joey's a food gatekeeper. Yes, Joey's a food gatekeeper, yes. Um, I'm the exact opposite. Like, if I have something that's really delicious, I don't want to just, like, hoard it to myself. I want to share it with everybody. Like, mm, yeah. we'll, we'll use an example. When we were at, uh, when we went to Yard House or Yard Birds or Pound House or whatever that restaurant was called, um, I had that s'mores brownie. And, I like, I wanted everybody to try it because I was enjoying it. And I was like, dude, it's got, like, these fire roasted marshmallows on top I think everybody would get a kick out of this and that's my in my opinion that's the best thing is to share those things that you like with everybody same thing with music same thing with movies like TV all of that I want everybody to enjoy it I don't want to hoard anything for myself yeah and that's one of the greatest things like I, I definitely picked up the love of that like in college and I was very fortunate with the group of guys that I hung out with and like we lived in a house together and everything because they were all big music heads as well and one of our favorite activities was doing that exact thing like oh i just listened to this new album the first thing you gotta do is run and share it with everyone else um like and just you know put it on the speaker so everyone can hear and be like dude we have to listen to more of these guys they're fantastic right i mean and get the opinions of everyone and kind of see where you agree and disagree with what the good songs are if they like the band at all um, and just having those kind of discussions. Um, and as long as like everyone's kind of on the same page with the rules of like, don't be a juice bag, it can be the greatest thing in the world. 
Yeah. Yeah, it, re it really can. And, like, that's... Yeah, it, it... think about those... God, I'm trying to think of an album that's an example. Um, oh, easy. American Idiot. Um, that first time you listen to American Idiot. For me, like, I got it for Christmas. Um, the girl I was dating at the time bought it for me for Christmas. And she lived about two hours north. So I popped it in my CD player on the way home and listened to the whole thing from track one all the way through and was blown away. I was like, this is incredible. And I don't even think I listened track one all the way through. I think it like, I played like the first like two or three tracks and then like started them over again. I was like, I gotta listen to that one again. Um, if I can even remember it, let me see if I can pull it up. I gotta pull it up right now. Um, Cause we're literally listening to Through Her Eyes right now, uh, which is scene five from, Ooh, yeah. yeah. Uh, let's pull up American Idiot right now. It was Jesus of Suburbia. Oh, the long one that's like nine eight minutes or nine long. minutes long? Yeah. yeah. That first time I listened to that, I was like, crap. And I remember restarting that song. I was like, I have to listen to that song again because that was incredible. And like, yeah. And that's, that. I mean, that's a concept album. That's I wouldn't say that's mm -hmm. prog rock because they're not really. No, no, yeah. no. But like, it's definitely a concept you certainly, album. You don't have to be prog rock to do a concept album. Like the, the definition yeah. that I've always worked off of is that. I mean, it's it's literally right in the title. It's an album where all the tracks are centered around one concept. Now, that yeah. concept can be a story, but it can also be, I mean, as nebulous as a theme. Um, like, I would say, like, The Black Parade by My Chemical Romance. Like, that's a concept album. And I'm not sure it necessarily tells, like, one unifying story that, like, you can easily follow but it's all about like death and emotions around death and, and that's like a theme to me so that's a concept album something like the afterman by coheed and cambria those are just two albums that are part of a story that basically their whole band is one big story so i mean concept album i, I like to be a little more liberal with that term to include other things where they had a certain theme or thought or even like kind of musical style that runs one thread from every track top to bottom. Yeah, and that's part of our topic of this evening is we're going to be talking about concept albums and, and those sorts of things. But I, I definitely want to go into the, the Dream Theater thing um, before we jump into the uh, the concept albums and like the cool out there weird music. Um, with Dream Theater, like I think the thing that blew me away though is like. I never. I meant to point it out to you, and I, and I forgot. But like, there were dudes that were like in the um, like those little balconies that were like on the sides of the of uh, the yeah. theater. And like, I don't they know. They were if you getting at yeah, it. Okay, you did see it. Okay, yeah. No, they yeah. were. They were. They were like into it. Like it wasn't just like headbanging. Like there was an intensity on their face. Like it was. This was. They were locked in. They were locked the fuck in. And like. One of the dudes, like, I don't even know if you noticed this or not, but, like, there was a dude at one point, like, off to our left in one of those little balcony things, and he was, like, slumped over. It was like he had rocked so hard that he just passed out. It was like... He's he, like, I'm going to need a minute. <laughs> he had he had nothing left to give. He had given it all for Dream Theater. And I was like, dude, that is... That is... That is love for a band. But then also, too, there was a guy, like, in the front row, like, front row, that was just, like, rocking the entire time. And what he was doing is, like, I don't know if you caught this or not, but he was, like, taking selfies of himself, like, in front of the guitarist, like, as the dude's rocking out, right? So he'd take, like, a selfie, and the guitarist was into it. He was just like, fuck yeah, dude, like, throwing up the, the uh, rock fist. And I was like, dude, this is, this is kind of awesome, <laughs> like... 
not only did I see that guy, yeah. but the next day when I checked Reddit, um, he had posted on there and, and put that picture up of him with a selfie with Petrucci in the background. And it was just, yep, I was that guy last night. Wow. And I was like, bravo, bravo. Then I went on YouTube and was trying to find videos that people had posted from our concert. Um, uh, it was just such a good experience, man. Like, I I've seen them five times now in different locations, uh, different times in my life or whatever. Um, you know, from high school all the way up to now, uh, where I'm just some crusty old man. <laughs> but, like, frankly, like, they have stayed consistently good at the top of my list. Like, other... I don't think I've dropped any bands. Like, I don't think there's any bands. Like, I used to listen to them all the time, and they're just garbage now. But, like, yeah. I've added so much more um, different styles, different sounds that I like. You know, trying to be a little more open to different types of music. But, I mean, they've just always stayed at the top because I think of that progressive nature where... Yeah, it's metal. And I mean, I like the headbang. I'm never going to not like the headbang. The heavier, the better. Um, get that drop the tuning going. But if you can do something different and melodic and experimental, and they're always working with odd time signatures, which adds a lot of flavor to their music, it keeps it fresh. So even though you can kind of expect it's going to be very technical and heavy and good, but what version is that going to take? It's like yeah. you open a box of popsicles or something like that. And you know they're all going to be cold and tasty, but what flavor am I going to get this time? Um, that's kind of how I see it. And that's what's always kept me engaged with them. Well, and that's the thing with them, too, is like if you were going to compare them to a chef, like let, let's compare music to food for a second. Dream Theater is a is a master chef, is a um, Bobby Flay or a Morimoto or an emerald where it's not just like, hey, I made hamburgers and tater tots. It's like, hey, I made a Wagyu beef hamburger slider on a brioche bun with a butter truffle sauce reduction. And the French fries are duck fat fried French fries with a uh, and a special um, like spice blend that I created myself. And you're just like, holy crap, they just made something that was simple, incredibly elegant and complex. Like, there's so much more to it. Whereas, like, nothing against ACDC. They're great, but ACDC does one song. They all rock, but they do pretty much one song, more or less, over and over again. And They are the taco food truck, so to speak, where it's like they got one banging dish, and you yeah. know exactly what you're getting, and it has yeah. 15,000 calories in it, yeah. but you really don't care. Yeah, exactly. Or like 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 Taco Bell, yeah, where it's it's the same thing in one way, shape, or form, just a little bit different. It's like some form of meat on some sort of tortilla thing, whether it's flat <laughs> or fried or folded up or rolled up in a burrito. It's the same basic elements, and it's like <laughs> still delicious, but it's just, yeah, simple's not always bad. And same no, thing. not at all. Yeah, and same thing with, like, complex. Complex is not always good. Sometimes you can overdo it. And I think that Dream Theater, like, walks that line of, like, here's the complex, here's what we do, but here's how it's awesome. And you're just like, well, fuck, yeah. And then, like, also, some of the songs are just like, well, why is this song good? Like, did you hear him fucking shredding on the guitar? That was that's why this song is awesome or like it's all of these things together make this song awesome like I, I kind of experienced all of that with that concert so just if you guys have never been to one definitely check out dream theater uh when you get a chance they, they are a good show and not only that too you feel like you get your money's worth that's the other thing 
And sometimes you'll go to a concert and like they'll play like five or six songs and they're just kind of flat and they don't really care and then like they bounce and you're just like well that was bullshit nah dream theater was like hey we're gonna play two full albums for you and then you're gonna cheer so much we're gonna come out and play our biggest fucking song ever and like that's that's what they do and that's that's a, a hallmark of a great group in my opinion no opening acts no. the whole like the whole when you look at the marquee it's just them and i, I have seen shows where they have played you know co-headlining with other bands or had opening acts and everything like that but yeah they've kind of gotten to the point where they just they put on a show and it really is um like you said i mean that food analogy is really apt because like a trained chef they went to school for their art you know i mean they, they went to berkeley they went to juilliard and got trained on it but then kind of went out into the world as opposed to staying in you know kind of the more artistic realm they went out like let's just kick some ass right now you know what i mean um and so it's a really apt analogy and i'm really glad we got to go together that was a fun experience i i am too and i'm I'm glad that you got to meet the whole like ggr crew because when you left it was me and you and it's like you come back and you're like holy crap there's all these new people (laughs) Like yeah. we have all these new people that we that we work with and we collaborate with and like you got to meet most of them in person. It was just it was it was an awesome experience. Like you got to hang out with my insane family too. So like that was that was fun as well. Like we got to uh, I got to show you around Fredericksburg a little bit because when you lived here before you didn't really get to see any of it other than like the highways and byways. Um, the ways in and out exactly. of that that place. Exactly, because <laughs> it was like, yeah, I worked there. I didn't yeah. live there. I worked there, you know. Yeah. So you got. So yeah, it was kind of cool seeing the, the historic aspect and kind of the local flavor there, which is, you know, that's what you got to do. You got to have someone who lives there and knows the the guts of the city they live in. Yeah. Um. So it was really nice, like having you as my tour guide, so to speak. <laughs> well, then that, it was just it was fun, you know. It was it was a it was a good time. Luckily, we got some great weather too, man. The weather was fantastic. Oh, yeah. Um, Sandy's mom was was amazed at how big your shoes were uh, oh okay <laughs> i didn't tell you i didn't tell you that story i'll tell you no <laughs> she was just like good lord how tall is he like it was <laughs> it's like lady i mean i'm yeah. tall i'm six yeah. four but i mean there's like people that are like seven four out there i mean not that big but yeah yeah it was just it was it was funny i mean she's like all of like five foot tall though so i mean like you're like a like a monster to her so yeah, I guess I didn't have people my size back then, except maybe in like Iowa working on farms or something. Basically, but. exactly. Exactly. <laughs> we also got to think, you know, she she grew up she grew up in Southwest Virginia in the mountains. You know, there there weren't a lot of large large mountain burly ma- mountain men. You know, if they were, they you know they moved somewhere else. You know, got to hide in the mountains <laughs> to stay in those co- country enclaves. I don't know. I got nothing. <laughs> uh, going back to. Yeah meeting the gang though yeah. uh, there was something to, like I, I really had a good time when we all like because we all got together for lunch and then went to a local spot which shout out to them too Toshi Station like oh, it's yeah, this dude. I mean it, it, it's like the comic book shop I regular up here like it's in a mall it's in this like little kind of like spot like a strip mall kind of thing where it's you have to find it when you do you're like this place is just like a magic cave full of treasures from my childhood yeah um but something like I didn't even it was one of those things is like I didn't realize I was missing it until it happened. Um, I 1000% love my wife, but a lot of times I feel like I'm dragging her to the comic book store, you know, like to check out stuff. And she is really good. She loves Marvel movies. She listens there when I'm talking about some kind of comic storyline, like 
not rolling her eyes at me, even though I know she probably wants to. And, and I love that she lets me indulge in this kind of stuff. But going to like a comic book store like that with a group of like-minded guys that we're all just hanging out like we do our show together and we're all like equally like dude check this out check this out like you know just everyone getting each other excited about the comic books the toys the you know the the childhood memory kind of stuff like it's not like something i need to do every day but that was an experience that i hadn't had in a long time and it was something that it was like wow that not only made me happy that i met these guys that we podcast and work on the site with that are really cool guys um, in, in the kind of, I don't want to say working capacity, cause it's not really working, but you know what I mean? In the more like participating on the site thing, but just as like a group of friends going and doing something that we all collectively are very much into, I was like, dang, I used to do this all the time. And it's, it's, and it's been a long time. And that really like touched me. I really, really enjoyed going to the store with it, with the gang. What was cool too, was that like, for me, normally and you can ask Sandy this. Whenever Sandy's like, hey, are you leaving somewhere? I'm like, yeah, I'm leaving in like five minutes. Um, five minutes becomes like 45 minutes because I start talking or something, you know? Like I get caught up um, because I'm easily distracted um, and I can't say no to a conversation. But um, everybody that was at Tashi Station, me, you, Yuli, MC, Rambo, everybody was that guy. Like, everybody, no one would shut up. <laughs> everybody was like, "Ooh, more toys to look at." So it was like, it was like, ah, my people. Like, that's what, like, that's what I got the biggest kick out of was just that it was just. We didn't like because MC and I talked about it last week. Um, there was no like awkward moment of like, oh, I'm meeting this person that I've only met online before. There, there was none of that. It was like M- MC was saying it was like it was just like you had been friends before and like you moved away. And I was like, yeah, that's exactly what it was with me and Steve. That's a good way to put that. Yeah. Yeah. It, no, it did not feel like we were meeting these people for the first time. Well, I mean, I was I think I was the only exception. I was the only one that knew everybody that was there. But like, yeah, like everybody had that same vibe. We all felt like just long friend long lost friends you know we knew each other so well and then we went to tashi station and it was just like it's like our brains like it's like our brains worked together and created this store like it's it's like something out of like it you know where it like uses our own fears against us except instead of fears it was nerdy dorky things Um, i like to think like someone like in the comments would be like tashi station that store's been closed for 30 years Beth's been dead for 10 years. Yeah. Exactly. Like. <laughs> and we're like, some sort of nerd magic has happened here. Yes, something something wonderful, something nerdy. It's fantastic. Um, well, I knew as soon as we walked into that store and the actual guy running the store was getting YouTube up to show the Mandalorian footage from Star Wars Celebration, I was like, we're in the right place for yeah. this group. Exactly. Yeah, it, it was, yeah, that was definitely our our place those are our people that was that was awesome yeah it was yeah. it was exactly what we needed um so yeah i think the next time we're just gonna have to uh we're gonna have to do this in pittsburgh there's a lot of good stuff to do up here there's some good yeah. stores to check out but i think the thing that would be the most enjoyable for our collective group um it's actually kind of moving a little bit away from the comic book side of things in the summer it's usually like the end of august uh, they have a, a small convention, it's like a long weekend. I think it's like Thursday through Sunday, typically, and it's called Replay FX. Yeah, and it started out as a convention called 
Pinberg, I think. Um, but it was like a, it started out as like a pinball thing, and it has ballooned into this huge video game convention. I think we've talked about this before, yeah. Like it sounds I think super I'm, yeah, cool. Yeah, I mentioned it a couple times, and they have like hundreds of pinball machines, hundreds of arcade cabinets. Um, they have a whole like console corner where they have basically everything from the Atari 2600 up to today's consoles and huge like bins full of games and you can go hey let's go play GoldenEye and you just go grab the N64 and play GoldenEye or whatever as a, as a gang they have bands that play video game music uh, throughout the thing they have uh, competitions like Donkey Kong tournaments and stuff like that like it's this huge huge event and it's really awesome like you go in and buy your ticket and everything in there is free like you don't have to put quarters in like you can go finally beat the Simpsons, you know, arcade oh. game or whatever. Like you can finally beat Ninja Turtles two without spending fifty dollars to do it. Because <laughs> yeah. they they have buttons where you can give yourselves like free lives and you can just keep playing as much as you want. And you, every you just wander around the convention floor. There's people, uh, you know, selling different items and everything. Uh, it's just a really fun time. Yeah. And it's a little bit outside of your typical like comic book convention. It's got some of those same elements, but it, it's more like your old arcade. You pay your admission fee for this thing, and then it's like, boom, you get the biggest arcade you could have possibly wanted as a kid. No quarters needed. Yeah. Um, Bringing the gang up for that might be a good time. Yeah, I, dude, like, for sure. Um, and you could finally meet Russ Brown, because he's the one who introduced me to this con. Dude, I met Russ Brown. We had we went to... Oh, um, at the wedding. Duh, yeah. at the wedding. Yeah, me, me, him, Critter, and um, Critter's wife, and I can never remember her name, and I feel like a jerk. Kayla. Kayla. Uh, we all went to Steak and Shake, because um, it was right in front of our hotel, um, after the rehearsal dinner, um, and got milkshakes. So yeah, no, I, yeah, I, yeah, I met him. Man. It was, it was good I times. always forget that I'm married, and we had a <laughs> wedding that goes with it. I was there, dude. I was there. I yeah. had pictures and everything. Um, <laughs> I do too. They were very expensive. <laughs> <laughs> um, it looks like it looks. I like just look at them every day. How much I paid for them. <laughs> <laughs> Whenever somebody goes, oh, these are beautiful pictures. Yeah, five hundred dollars. <laughs> like I always, that always makes me laugh. Like how, like. You know, they always make the jokes, like, comedians are always like, oh, men and women are different, ha, 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 you know, laughs galore. Um, but, like, how how certain people, and it's not really even men and women, it's just, like, certain people, how their brains work. Like, oh, look at this thing, this was this great, fun, ama- amazing thing. And then, like, in your head, the first thing you can think of was, well, yeah, well, that cost uh, $1,400. Uh, we had to pay a $350 deposit. So, yeah, no, it was a lot of fun, but, yeah, like, it's funny how, like, our brains, like, process that information. And just, I mean, I definitely remember the event and the time, and it, yeah. I wouldn't trade it for the world. Yeah. But that being said, I'm not going to pretend that it wasn't exceedingly expensive. <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen who are listening, don't think Steve a uh, a heartless bastard. It's just yeah. anybody who's been in this situation knows the exact same thing. We're getting ready to go on a Disney World vacation, and I definitely remember the price tag from the first one. I was like, that's a lot of money. Holy crap. Yeah. It, 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 you that was thinking, another thing yeah. that blew me away from the trip is your your wife's like insane gameplay. I mean, she preps like like she's a coach at the Super Bowl. Oh yeah, it, it's incredible. I mean, she watches game film. She yeah. has everyone with their work assignments. It's a organized strategic symphony of efficiency. Oh yeah, when it comes to Disney planning, I, I was. It, it, she, you guys, you and your wife opened this whole new world that I didn't even know existed. Dude, if like I, I'm lucky. I get to go to work. That's the easy part. 
I just, I get up, I wake up, I take a shower, you know, I eat something, I go to work and make money. She does all of the work for planning everything. Like it's, all I got to do is sign the checks, man. Like it's, it's basically like she's, she's the owner and I'm, or uh, she's the coach and I'm the owner. You know, I get to take credit for my awesome team, but she's the one like making this like insane game plan, like you said, and like staying up until two o'clock in the morning, making sure that everything's done so that every, every facet of the game is set. And I'm just like, Hey, when's my team going to win another championship? You know, as she like rolls her eyes at me. Like it's, yeah, you get, you get to stand on the, on the podium holding the Lombardi trophy right next to her. Yeah. You're like, I wrote the checks. I wrote the checks. Ooh, I'm the owner. Yeah, exactly. It's <laughs> that's fantastic. <laughs> let's um let's go ahead and let's jump into uh our topic du jour tonight. Um as you guys can hear in the background, we have been playing uh American Idiot. I think American Idiot is a great like intro to concept albums for most people. Like it's I would agree, yeah. A lot of people kind of cut their teeth on this one. Um, there are a lot of purists out there, and we've called them, you know, gatekeepers before. Um, but f those guys um, that are like, "Oh, this is when Green Day jumped the shark." Like, just shut up, dude. Like, let let musicians have some fun and do something creative for crying out loud. Like, this was creative. It was fun. It was topical because it got really political with all the stuff that was going on uh, with the war in Iraq and Afghanistan. Like, it's and it's just a good album from start to finish. And like. Still to this day, one of my favorite albums of theirs. Like one of my favorite albums, period. Like it's just an incredible album. It, it makes it into the rotation quite a bit for me as well. And I mean, gosh, I remember you know reading and having discussions with people that thought Dookie was when they they kind of went corporate and stuff like that. And I mean, you're always going to have those people that are the, the absolute purist of like no one should ever do anything corporate. No one should ever take any money for anything. Because uh, it, it corrupts the art. And I'm on the side of, I think it gives people a bigger platform to do their art. You know what I mean? And if this is the art that they choose to do because they had something to say, that's cool. I'm cool with that. If you like their old, like, more punk sound stuff better, that's fine. But, I mean, you can't tell me that, you know, the drumming on this one isn't fantastic or the lyrics aren't catchy or, or the rhythm of the entire album has this roller coaster effect that really... Accents what the lyrical content is. Uh, I mean, it, it is a great album. If you don't like it, don't like it. Yeah, I don't, whatever. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Right. Like, just a, just overall, like uh, one of my favorite concept albums. Um, Steve, go ahead and jump in, man. Give me give me one of yours. Um, what, what's a concept album that you just absolutely love? I mean, do you want me to start with Dream Theater or? <laughs> Well, we no, already talked about them. Yeah. I'm just going to mention the two very briefly, but actually talk about other ones for real. Um, the one we mentioned was the 20th anniversary Scenes from a Memory. That's the first Dream Theater album I ever heard. That one is a concept album in story. Uh, go read about the story about that one and then listen to the album. It'll kind of blow you away. But the other one they did that some people kind of even debate whether or not it's a concept album or not. I find it to be, but it's their album Octavarium. And um, there's no story thread that ties through it. But what it is 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 an eight album or an eight song album, and each song is in the key of an octave, like like a piano octave. And then uh, I don't know if you've ever had a CD where if you like rewound it, there was like negative time, like between the tracks. Yeah. Um, they had songs kind of hidden between the tracks, and those were like the flatter sharps, like the black keys, like it was the, the actual 
tracks were laid out like an octave on a piano. Um, and then the last note of the last song is exactly the same note as the first note of the first song, but just an octave higher, like a piano moves octaves down. Like that's why they have the 88 keys. It's, you know, the, the 11 octaves, so to speak. Right. Um, and the, the, the lyrical content is, is, is great. You know, it's great musicianship and everything, but the way it's kind of like this whole loop, I, I just blew me away. Like when I read about like the complexity of the designing of the album, um, as a whole, as opposed to just each song being written. Okay, great. We've got another one done. Let's move on to the next one. Um, but another one that I really recently have just got addicted to and went down a wormhole was, um, through dream theater, their lead singer, James Labrie has done work with other bands. And one of them was this musical project is probably the best way to put it. And that's Arion. And we've mentioned them a couple times recently, um, and MC brought up a while the the album I'm obsessed with is the source. It's so good vocally. It's so freaking good. It's like an all-star game of of metal singers. Like if you like that really strong guys who can sing notes higher than girls you've heard. I mean, but like also like really powerful, deep growling vocals. Um, there's there's the one song Aquatic Race where they have, I think it's literally 10 people singing in like this harmony uh it, it, at the very beginning of the song it, it, it's phenomenal uh you have to really like that prog rocky stuff um it kind of goes all over the place it's this like sci-fi storyline they're another one that's a project where multiple albums tell different chapters of the stories it's like this big complex web of stuff where you have to look up maps online and crap like that like geeky geeky crap but as a concept album, um, the the thing that just struck me is the quality of the singing. Um, I, I I am always been attracted to the guitar and the vocals, um, and then as I learned more, got more into drums, bass, keys, you know, the the different more rhythm kind of sections a lot. But God, this one brought me back to my first love of just people who can sing like I'll never be able to sing. And you try and practice in your car, and you just thank god no one's driving in the car with you and pray that no one in the lane next to you is even looking at you because you look like a moron (laughs) dude see that's actually that's one of my favorite things ever is when you're singing in the car and somebody sees you and some people take it as oh god that's embarrassing they're laughing at me but like i don't think people are laughing at you i think they're laughing because they know the joy that you're having right in that moment you know I love it <laughs> it's you know like they look at you and that makes them smile and laugh because they're like fuck this dude is enjoying the shit out of Ace of Bass right now because look at him singing it like because <laughs> I've definitely been caught doing that like I actually I had the windows down and I was driving you know that lo- um, there's the giant food right next to the place we used to work um, the uh, giant grocery store um, I dra- I always go through that way to get to uh, our former workplace and I had the windows down and I didn't realize it. And I was singing the sign by Ace of Bass as loud as I possibly could. And there was a dude standing right there right next to the ABC store. And he just looked at me and laughed. And I was like, oh, sh- you know, I don't even care. And I just kept singing and I laughed and <laughs> smiled and just like waved to him. Like, whatever, dude. Like, it's music. And that's like, it's a, it's a running thread through pretty much all of our podcasts that we all just love music. And like, it, it's something that like... 
you know, pardon the pun, it sings to us. It, it, it hits us on a level that, like, a lot of other things don't. It always blows my mind people that are, like, that don't like music. They're like, oh, I just I just want quiet. I'm like, how how do you live? Like, the, <laughs> like how, how can you function? Like, the, <laughs> How do you live? <laughs> yeah, right? Like, music is I such get a... I it. That's- yeah. It's such a part of my life. Like, it's part... It's... I listen to it when I'm in the shower. I listen to it when I'm cooking breakfast. Like, it's always part of who I am. Like, the day that you were leaving Virginia to go back home, like, I had I had my phone on. I just I, I put on Spotify and I hit play. And I was listening. I want to say, I think I was listening to Rage Against the Machine while I was making breakfast. Like, it's, that that's just what I do. Um, so, yeah, the, those people who will listen to, like, nothing, they'll just turn. Like, I can understand it. At, it was something... I remember when I was a kid, it, like, blew my mind that my dad would just sometimes sit in the car in silence. Like, we would be driving somewhere, and he would have the radio turned off. I'm like, how can you not be listening to music, Dad? But as I get older, and, like, you have a stressful day at work, or, like, just whatever, sometimes silence is awesome. Like, I get that now, but still, I would rather have the music. Yeah, I, I probably should do more of not listening to something. Uh, I feel like the sign for me that I've become more of an old man is I listen to so many podcasts, um, which is like our generation's talk radio. And to me, that was always like, hey, if you're not listening to some awesome rock old man, you obviously listen to talk radio. That's how you know you're old. And and that's me as like an 11 year old or whatever. Right. Um, (laughs) And now I'm like, well, I could listen to this economics podcast on my way home. Um, Interesting. Yeah, let's do that instead of like headbanging down the highway or whatever. But um, I, I can't, I can't imagine just driving in the car with no sound. Yeah. Uh, it, it, I, I would probably just jerk the wheel and try and drive off a bridge if I had to do that <laughs> for for an extended period of time. Um, I've I've become the old man that listens to NB, NPR. Uh, <laughs> I remember what, what what economics podcast do you think I was talking about? I'm talking about yeah. Planet Money by yeah, NPR. Exactly. Yeah, I love NPR, and it makes me feel like such an old man because I listen to it and I'm like, hmm, yeah, it's fascinating. Like, it's th- those are words I never thought I would say to other people. I would be like, have you heard this? Did you hear this last episode of This American Life? Oh God, it was fascinating. They were talking about like it's things I never thought I would actually do, and it's but it's fine. It, it's I, I think it just adds as we talked about before before. It adds more complexity and flavor to life, and that makes you a more complex and interesting person. And it's not like it just adds flavor to to the overall package. Um, I want to go into because it's not just concept albums that we're talking here. Um, we're also talking about things that you heard that were different or weird, and you were like, "I don't know what the hell this is, but this is pretty badass." And I want to go into one that we talked about on last week's podcast um, when MC and I were doing this. We talked about a band called Soul Coughing, uh, and the song is called uh, Screenwriter's Blues. It's off the album Ruby Vroom. Um, such a weird album, such a weird band, but like not weird in the like you listen to them, you're like, what the hell was that? And then you just blow it out of your mind. You're like, I don't want to hear that ever again. No, weird in the way of like, this is incredible. Like, this is so different than anything else that I've ever heard. Give me more. That's what soul coughing was to me is it was just like, they, they can do the pop songs, but they're also doing things that are just completely out there. And this is why, like 
your prog rock and concept rock, the stuff that you love, crosses over so well with the music that I would consider like my wheelhouse, and that's alternative rock. Because before alternative rock essentially was like synonymous with just rock music now, alternative rock was actually a thing in the 90s where it was all the stuff that was not regular rock and roll that they couldn't play on regular radio stations. It was the weird stuff that didn't really quite fit. And this is, like, that was my favorite kind of stuff. Just just completely out there, insane shit. Like, like and this is what it says. It's, and this is the way they describe it on their Wikipedia page. Um, the lead singer of Soul Coughing is a guy named Mike Dowdy. Um, and they, they describe the band as um, driven by frontman Mike Dowdy's stream of consciousness poetry. So it's just, like, all the stuff that I'm thinking of. And, like, that's what makes it awesome. Like this song that we're listening to right now, it's the story is a guy in his car driving from Los Angeles to Reseda to have sex with a model whose real name he doesn't know. And he's listening to the radio and the guy on the radio is just like this ballsy radio dude. And he's like, as you just heard, rock and roll lives, you know, it's a beautiful night out there in Los Angeles. And then like. He says, and then the radio man laughs because the radio man fucks a model too. And you're just like, what the hell is this? Like, <laughs> you're like, there's something happening here. And I, you're like, I'm going to need like seven more listens to start getting into what's going on here. Yeah. Those are, those are the ones that always endear themselves to me. Like you're saying, like the ones that are different where you're like, I'm going to need a couple more shots at this one because I can tell there's layers here that I need to break down. Yeah, exactly. That's that's what makes it so great. Like it's, yeah. And Mike Dowdy is just like he he had some issues, um, some mental uh, health issues that he got some help with, thank thankfully. And he had some drug addiction problems, and the band broke up. Soul Coughing broke up, and he did his own solo thing. But like now that he's gotten things straightened out, he actually wrote a book that was really really good too. But like. It's, it's so interesting seeing this fine line between creative genius and mentally disturbed. I know that sounds horrible, but, like, that's this line that he walked, you know? Like, the line between... Um, and I'm, I'm going to read the, the issues that he has here, had here, too. He even says... Um, uh, Dowdy broke up soul coughing in 2000 due to personal problems. He was wary, wearing on the band. He was addicted to opiate painkillers, heroin, and alcohol. Uh, he was promptly dropped by Warner Brothers. Uh, began traveling in a rental car. Like this is this is why this guy is so cool. Listen to this, right? So he's traveling around in early 2000, and like he's playing solo shows, right? And after the show, he would sit at the front of the stage and sell copies of his acoustic album that was on like burned CDs on CDRs in plain white sleeves. So he was literally sitting there selling these albums to people. And then Dave Matthews, Dave fucking Matthews is like, dude, your shit is awesome. Let me sign you to my record company. (laughs) Like how fucking nuts is that? That's crazy. Like, I mean, but those are the kind of things that make the best stories, right? I mean, they're, they're the ones that like these diamonds in the rough that, um, you know they're just out there doing what a thousand other people have done where they're like playing their acoustic sets at like a bar an open mic and then they work themselves up a little bit but like this is the dude that got found by dave matthews you know and and makes it kind of bigger yeah it's like it's like he was so creative that even the problems that he was having with drugs and mental health weren't enough to stop him from from that shining through 
and like he got himself some help and he like it, it's it just blows me away that like yeah I, I, like right now it says right here like his most recent thing in 2014 Mike Doty created a rock opera based on the book of Revelation called Revelation like I haven't even heard it but now I want to hear that so we're gonna look that up on Spotify real quick I mean and being a Christian if you were gonna write like a rock opera that's probably the book you're gonna pick right right yeah exactly I mean it's the way you gotta do it uh, let me see if I can find his stuff real quick here as I look this up and of yeah give me one second here luckily Spotify is in the middle of an ad so I can actually cut this part and then we were tell- when you were telling that when you when you were telling that story about him that reminded me of um, Bert McCracken from the used oh yeah because um, like he uh, grew up I think it was like in Utah and his family were like Mormons and and he oh, felt yeah. like like at odds with their views and he was like homeless for a while and, and he was just kind of like living on his own as a kid he had no money you know nothing like that and um he just kind of ended up in this emo you know alt rock punk kind of sounding band and, and they've actually like made it ra- rather big you know i mean yeah. the used has had songs everyone's heard whether you realize it's that band or not but i mean people have heard that band before and it's pretty fantastic. Like when people have such a low point, um, that they, they're able to bring themselves out of it. Oh yeah. They well, like, to go that. It's like that trial by fire where I feel like their art just is a little bit better when they have that well to pull from. Uh, I mean, obviously you don't wish it on anyone, but if it happens, man, do they produce? Yeah, exactly. Um, I, I cannot find this album revelation. I don't know where it is. Like, that's going to drive me nuts. I'm going to have to find it now. But um, what he did was, is when he got signed by Dave Matthews, um, he called his album uh, Haughty Melodic. So H-A-U-G-H-T-Y Melodic. And it's an anagram from Mike Doty. And, like, I thought that was really cool. (laughs) Um, He came up with his own name for that. So we're actually going to play a song off of there um, because I've never actually listened to this album before. So we're going to listen to it right now. Fantastic. It's a GGR premiere. Well, yeah, but probably not for other people. Yeah, you probably already heard it. All right. It's not bad, dude. Like, he's a damn talented musician. Like, yeah, now I gotta find that album. Rock Opera by Mike Doty. Revelation. All right. Oh, there it is. It's actually on YouTube. The whole thing is on YouTube. It's an hour and 11 minutes. I am going to download that shit and listen to it, and we will talk about it on another episode. <laughs> I'm going to have to listen to that at some point tonight. That sounds pretty phenomenal. It does, doesn't it? Uh, let me see if we can add Mr. MC Brooks to our shenanigans here. He's at a hotel in Washington, D.C. I don't know why I'm Take it down a peg. I don't know why I'm talking like that. <laughs> Mike in the morning. <laughs> with Steve the Walrus. Steve the Walrus. <laughs> well, they always have one of those. It's Mike in the Walrus. Like they did on Family Guy, Weenie in the Butt. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> Drive time radio kind of thing. Exactly, yeah. <laughs> yeah, they, that is kind of the formula, isn't it? It's like one regular name and like one stupid name, you know? Like... 
I'm trying to remember what the other one... There's one, like, when we were living in Roanoke, which was, like... It's the place where good things go to die. Um, there was one, and I'm trying to remember what it was called, and I can't... John Boy and Billy. Like, it's... It just sounds like hillbilly redneck nonsense. Like, hey, it's John Boy and Billy. What? Come on, man. Really? Like... But it was like I would was way like, to find out John Boy's an actual like name. Like I thought it was just from that show, The Waltons. No, it's an actual. Yeah, like, no, it's, it's what you call name? like yeah, like if your dad's name is John and then you're also named John, you're John Boy. Just what? How old do you have to be to graduate to John? Then or are you just always John Boy? Well, it's kind of like okay, so my dad is Mike as well. Um, and I'm it's pretty, well? I'm pretty much Mikey, like no matter what around my around my family. So like it's, it's just who I am. And, like, I don't think I'll ever graduate to just Mike. I think I'm always going to be Mikey, no matter what. That makes sense, though. Yeah. I mean, like, my dad's a junior. Yeah. And um, now everyone called his dad Ken, which is their middle name. They're James Kenneth. Yeah. Um, and so he was Jim. And everyone just called his dad Ken. But yeah. um, I could see that. Like, when it's family, I mean, it's one thing. Yeah. But normally, when it's drive time radio, you know, yeah. I don't know. <laughs> you become the walrus. Yeah. <laughs> this is actually, I'm listening to his uh, his album, um, uh, Haughty Melodic, right now. It's actually really good. It's very, like, poppy. But, I mean, I like, I'm, I'm a poppy type of person, so. Um, Steve, give me your, your second pick here um, when it comes to this uh, experimental, weird concept album music stuff. Hmm, that's a good one. So, like, um, I think, like, a classic example uh, uh, is 2112 by Rush, where it, it's this huge, long song, and it's about freaking this outer space community where music has gone away, and then a guy finds a guitar, and he learns to play guitar, and he's bringing music back into the fold, and then this other alien race comes at the very end. It's very... You're like, wow, this the seventies were a weird time Dude, for people. Yeah. They really <laughs> but, were. Like, so good. Yeah. I mean, like, Neil Pert, I mean, is so classic. Like he if you've ever liked a drummer, that drummer has liked Neil Pert. Like for any band that you've ever listened to, he's probably someone's influence there. Um and I guess I'm staying kind of in the prog rock realm. Um, with Rush, but like that specific song to me, like when you say like weird and trippy, like it's all over the place when it comes to the sound of it, the tone of it, and the story's this weird like sci-fi dystopian thing about a guy finding a guitar. Like it's just a weird story, right? Um, and it's just these three Canadian dudes rocking out like crazy. And then I think about it, and then it makes reminds me of the movie I Love You, Man, where Paul Rudd and Jason Siegel are just rocking out to Rush songs, and then I laugh. <laughs> I think it's awesome, and then I laugh, and it's wonderful. Um, Rush is one of those bands that, like, I feel like you... It's just like Dream Theater. Like, you're either... If you say, so, how do you feel about Rush? People are like, yeah! There's nobody who's just like, eh. They either love it or they hate it, and there's no middle ground. They're like who? Yeah. Oh, that, that 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 Tom Sawyer band, I think, or whatever. Like, I mean, everyone's heard a song, yeah. but like, no, like, there's probably a lot of people that don't even know. I just said Tom Sawyer. Probably you 
people know the the music that don't know that's what that song's called because they heard it in a movie once and they're like oh yeah, yeah i know that song yeah yeah exa- yeah absolutely <laughs> like, they, they don't know them at all or they know every song and every album they've ever done like it, it, you're right there's no middle ground again <laughs> yeah it's that that's what's great about music though is some people you can have just like a a scratch the surface type of relationship with it or you can like deep sea dive kind of like you and i do um your stuff being way more prog rock like i i didn't know i was as big into music as i was until i started doing stop me if you heard this like i just started it like as a kind of an offshoot where i was just like hey this is kind of fun i'm talking about weezer and this cool story and i was like i have like eight other billion stories that i want to talk about so like it's i think that it's just like an overall respect for anybody who has to do anything creative is like that's another great one there that you just brought up your your stop me if you've heard this i mean ziggy stardust you just did david bowie that's another one that's real trippy and is a concept album you're all up in my brain because that was the next one i had queued up um yeah yeah like like he's insane like to to be able to go from one to be able to go from one genre to the next to the next to the next and be a badass every single time is just like like how the how the hell do you do that like he went from Ziggy Stardust which is like it, hey I'm an alien android sent to um, the world and I'm not male or female to you know like to then all of a sudden he's going to be like oh hey I'm going to get into uh, I'm really going to get into disco like big time and like <laughs> not only am I going to get getting into disco at like massive amounts of cocaine um, and then later he's like you know what um, you wanna... might you might have the order of those things mixed up <laughs> I'm going to get into massive amounts of cocaine I'm going to get into disco <laughs> <laughs> yeah I think he was already into the coke when he was in the, when he was in the Ziggy Stardust spot um, yeah like I, apparently I need to re-listen to my episode of uh, stop me if you heard this because like I got the order all mixed up but like what's crazy about it though is when he wrote um, which I think is his first and probably his biggest song um, Major Tom when he wrote Major Tom, it was before he was into the Ziggy Stardust phase of his career. He was still just kind of like a, like a acoustic guitar kind of balladeer. Like that wasn't, it was like that kind of kicked it off. He was like, oh, this guy's really into space apparently. And then he was like, yeah, I'm going to do this whole thing. And like to go from that and then into the next phase. And then like, he gets really into rock and he gets into electronica. Like he gets into stuff with like nine inch nails in the nineties. Like he just, he goes all over the place and like, I feel like every album he did um, wasn't necessarily a concept album, but I almost wonder, like, was each one of these a different role? Because I know that he did the, he was, he, there was Ziggy Stardust, that was one of his roles, and then the Thin White Duke was one of his roles, but, like, it's entirely possible that every single album he did was a role. I, I would buy that, like, almost in the sense where, to me, like, we've, all seen like certain actors like Daniel Day-Lewis or like Heath Ledger when he got into the Joker like get that really like method where like I'm getting into the mind space I'm getting into the attitudes I'm trying to come up with like a history and and internalize that and make that my history for this character maybe it wasn't even necessarily like a specific character but like he almost went method with a certain like attitude and that attitude is what 
eventually like poured out into the songwriting and the album creation and some of those did actually represent like a character like that, that he was on the stage like ziggy or the thin white duke or whatever um but for each album i would 100 percent agree it's almost like he kind of like went into his like little bowie bubble and like kind of just meditated on like a certain like feeling emotion uh characterization attitude and and let that guide him for each album yeah uh, he, he always struck me as that kind of artist he was just like and that's the thing too is was like is being kind of disconnected from him in general because i was never really really a huge fan of his like bowie wasn't really my my thing and after he died i felt kind of guilty because i was like there's so many people that love this dude and, like, I don't really know much of his stuff other than, like, Let's Dance, you know? Like, everybody knows that song. Um, and, like, <laughs> Ma- Major Tom. But, like, it was just, like, I really just started doing research into him to do the Stop Me If You Heard This because I was, like, I need to at least give this guy the respect he's due. And was really blown away by, like, how talented he really was. But, like, not only that, like, as somebody who... I wouldn't say self controls an issue... But, like, I mean, we all have those moments in our lives where we're like, you know, I really need to be working or I really need to be working on this or I really need to be exercising. I need to be eating healthy. But then, you know, your self-control stops working and you eat like a giant (laughs) cheeseburger. David Bowie just... At Ollie's Trolley. Right? Exactly. Come get your giant cheeseburger at Ollie's Trolley. Um, I feel like, you know, other than, like, the drug use, um, I feel like Bowie was, like, this consummate professional who was always in control and, like, that really came through in that final album he did, Black Star. Because, like, when that came out and you found out that, like, he knew the entire time that he was writing it that he was dying and then had it so that it released three days before he died. It was the number one album the day he died. He, It's like he planned all of it. It's like, it, it's not even like he died of, like... I mean, it was liver cancer, but it's like he didn't even die of that. It's like he was just like, well, I can no longer possess this human body anymore. My alien form has to return to the mothership. And he was just poof and he was gone. Like it, it was so controlled. And it was just like the the dude was just like at one point, like and I even talk about it and, and stop me if you hear this. And I swear to God, this is not a shameless plug plug for my crap. But like at one point he's talking about the Internet. And this is like in 1999. He's talking about the internet and how the internet's going to change everything. And he's talking about, like, oh, how, like, artists aren't going to be on the cutting edge of what it is to be cool and what it is to be edgy. That's going to be the internet. And, like, he's talking to a guy from the BBC, and the guy in the BBC is like, like, that's going to happen. Like, and Bowie's like, no, fucking listen to me, dude. I'm serious. Like, the internet is going to change everything. And the guy's like, okay, David Bowie. And, like, David Bowie was, was dead on correct. And, like, it totally nailed it. Like, he was doing live stream concerts in, like, 1998, when, like, most of us were still trying to figure out how to use our dial-up modems. Like, he was so ahead of his time with stuff like this. Like, it's it's kind of it's kind of mind-blowing when you really think about it. Yeah, I mean, and just to, to say that, like, he's able to embody certain things on certain albums or whatever. Like, like you said, um... I was never really a Bowie guy. I heard his hits, whatever. 
Um, I think that kind of goes back to when we were talking about like Dream Theater, where like he's the kind of artist where you can kind of have a little bit of a passing fancy, but like if you don't really do the deep dive into him, you're not really going to get into his stuff. But once you decide to like jump into the deep end, you're like, this is awesome. I really am glad I went down this rabbit hole. Yeah. Um, and it doesn't surprise me that he had the kind of intellect to foresee, you know, where society and how our interconnectivity would happen with technology like the internet, because he's obviously a genius when it comes to his craft. And that has to be part of how you see humanity. Like if you're going to speak to people, if you're going to like make art that is impactful to people, you have to know people to a degree. Oh yeah. And, th- and that's what you would need to see something like the internet coming is like, I understand people. I understand the humanity that I work with and try and present something to each and every day. I, I talk to people. This is how they're going to do it down the line. I get that. And, um, it doesn't surprise me at all, but it doesn't make it any less like incredible that he was able to like call that shot. Yeah, it's like the Babe, Babe Ruth pointing out his home run before he cracks it. You know, <laughs> um, I want to point out, and we've actually talked about them, and I wish I could remember what album or what podcast it was that we brought them up. But we've talked about the group Power Man Five Thousand before. Oh, what? that was a long time ago. It was, yeah. What? Yeah, what? Because it's uh, freaking What's-His-Face's little brother, right? It's it's Rob Zombie's little brother, yeah. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. And his, his his name is Spider-One, which is, like, weird, but it's cool. Like <laughs> Because, of course, it is. Yeah, but, like, what's cool about, about Power Man 5000 is they're not just a concept album. They're a concept band. Like, the whole thing about them is a concept. And it's just, like, it's so cool because, like... I'm pulling them up right right now on Wiki. So, so let me see if I can pull it up and see if it'll, it'll give me what I'm looking for. It says um, Spider One, who's you know Rob Zombie, you know little brother. Um, we'll call him Bob Zombie, um, Bobby Zombie, <laughs> Bobby Zombie. Uh, often uh, uses spoken B-O-B-B-I, yeah. Often uses spoken word or chanting in his vocalization. Uh, all music's Chris Lewicki said that Spider doesn't sing one lyric and start barking out the lyrics in a hard staccato delivery. The band's lyrics are often campy and make references to pulp science fiction. These themes include gods and monsters, global annihilation and robot violence, as well as anti-consumerism. So, you know, sure. yeah, of course, why not? While you're there, right? Um, but, like, they're just, they're, everything is about space and, like, about, like, robots. And just, it's such a cool, weird, out there concept. And it's just fun. Like, like right now we're listening to Worlds Collide. And, like, it's... They rock, dude. Like, that's the other thing is like, and it even says like genres, industrial metal, industrial rock, electronic rock, hard rock, alternative metal, new metal. So they're kind of a little bit of everything and they don't really fit into a category. And I think that that's what makes them kind of fun. You know, they looked at the list of available genres in the early 2000s and we're like, all right, we'll take a little bit of this, a little bit of that. <laughs> yeah. uh, you know what? Just knock them all in the basket here. We'll just we'll figure something out. Yeah, exactly. They were like, yeah, we'll, we'll smash everything together and turn it into an awesome thing. And that's what they are. Like it's and if you listen to them and, and I think this like you can hear the that he's you can hear the Rob Zombie influence like you can they're not the same but you can see like where they kind of hatched from the same egg basically 
<laughs> the, 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 whatever creature laid this brood of eggs they came from. <laughs> this alien spawn that like burst out of the chest of some poor helpless victim. Oh my god, it might have been freaking Ziggy Stardust himself. <laughs> Ziggy Stardust gave birth to Rob Zombie and Spider One. There it is. Holy crap. There it is. <laughs> I think we've just uncovered the world's greatest mystery. <laughs> there it is. There it is. You're welcome, Internet. Um, Steve, give me another band, man, and then we'll go ahead and wrap things up here pretty soon. Um, well, we're talking about weird, awesome stuff, kind of basically is the, the general theme. Um, it's not even a band. It's just a dude that I found on YouTube. Um, I'm sure a lot of people in our circles have probably heard of him. I think I sent some links to you before, um, but he goes by e-rock and all this dude does he's probably like one of the sickest guitarists i've ever seen and he just takes every single video game movie uh tv show whatever soundtrack and he just composes sick guitar versions of them um obviously i'm very excited for endgame so i went and looked up his avengers one and he just he fuses songs that like Exist. So uh, what was it? It was uh, like the Dragon Ball Z theme song. It goes really well with Dragon Force. So he'll like intermix like a theme song with a real song. And, and he, he does all of these uh, collaborations with other singers and stuff to do these covers. Um, it's just something where it's I hate to I hate to use this term because I think a lot of time downplays how good something is. It's a real guilty pleasure for me where I'm just like. Ah, marrying nostalgia with metal. What could be better? You know, that's a real guilty pleasure thing for me. But like, it's something where I could like I could listen to like if it was if he had like an album of these things, I could listen to him. I, I just I'm, love the composition. I'm pulling them up right now. We got uh, Mortal Kombat meets metal. One Punch Man meets metal. Skyrim meets metal. Um, Doom meets metal. Like Attack on Titan meets metal. Like this. <laughs> Let's fighting love from South Park. I don't. I don't know if you remember that one. Uh, it was an episode of South Park where they were pretending to be uh, ninjas, like very like anime style, and they had this awesome theme song called "Let's Fighting Love," and it was basically <laughs> like horribly translated uh, Japanimation like song. It was just. It was, I'm actually going to play it right now. So the uh, I remember the one song that pointed me in his direction. I was looking for the uh, 90s X-Men theme song on YouTube and his popped up um, and, and it's that clues like, nice. you know but but like I mean he it's it's shredding to a degree that, that is fantastic it'll just rock your face off hang on we gotta stop what we're doing I have to listen to Jaws meets metal hang on oh yeah it, it's what like, it's did... just a fun thing, like to like I said, it's guilty pleasure. It's taking all the pop culture stuff, and he's usually like dressed up as is something from it. He's got like crazy background. Like I mean, he, it, it, it's a total like wink and nod kind of thing where you can tell he's just having a good time with it. But yeah. he's got the skills that pay the bills. Like it, it's it's pretty awesome to watch. Yeah. Um, yeah, it's not really like a band per se, but check out his channel. It's it's three three one E Rock. Uh, on YouTube, or if you just type E, like the letter E, rock, that's where you can find him. Um, he has a million and a half subscribers. I don't really know YouTube as well as I probably should, so I don't know if that's a really good amount or a moderate amount, or I don't know. It sounds like a lot to me, yeah, but it's good enough for me. Um, 
I feel like he should have a million and a half more than he does, whatever amount he has. Like, whatever amount he has, I say double it. <laughs> the Imperial March meets metal. Oh, What's, yeah. Yes. Okay, thank there's, you, please. Star Wars stuff everywhere. I mean, yeah. The uh, the Mega Man theme, he takes, like, a bunch of different themes from the NES Mega Man games. Um, it, it's... It's all over the place. If you like nice. anime, there's a bunch of anime in there. Like the one, uh, he does the Sword Art Online song. Uh, so if you, if you like anime, that uh, that's a really good one. Um, yeah, it, it's we it's some have, good stuff. We might have to talk to this dude and be like, yeah. hey, how do you feel about coming on a podcast with a bunch of dorks talking about nerdy things? I feel like he would be like, yes. You want to talk I about like, so. talk about Star Wars and comic books and fucking metal? And he'd be like, yes. So yeah, we'll make this happen. I feel like if I'm remembering, like, watching the video, like, on his one arm, he's got, like, a huge, like, green lantern tattoo. So he does seem like our people. Yeah. Let me let me try this one. The Flash meets metal. This seems like a good idea. Is that, like, I gotta imagine that one's the from the TV show. It's the CW Flash, yeah. But he's about to rock out, I, and I'm excited. Hang on. <laughs> oh, yeah. I'll, I'll be quiet. <laughs> My name is Barry Allen. And I'm the fastest man alive. <laughs> Sorry, I'm adding lyrics to this. <laughs> no, that's cool. Well, the, the other thing too is he'll take um, like pop songs, yeah, um, and use the, like the original vocal track, um, but play like a metal-fied version with it. So, like one of the best ones, in my opinion, is uh, "Call Me Maybe." Oh God, where he has like the actual Carly Rae Jepsen vocals in Hang there. On. Hang on, but it, it's so catchy, like because pop songs are designed and written to have extraordinarily catchy rhythms when he does his metal composition um, and, and does more of that kind of prog sound, obviously that hits me fused with an already catchy rhythm that was written for a pop song. Yeah. Uh, it, it adds just a new density to it that, that I can appreciate. Um, <laughs> Here he goes. It's call me maybe here. It's, It's really good. <laughs> I recognize the guy now, too, as soon as I saw him, like, with the X-Men shirt on, yeah. Oh, and you know what? The um, the dude I, I sent – oh, I got to find him, too. Um, the guy that I sent you the video where he si- he sings one song in different vocal styles. Yes, uh, that it's guy. It's going to drive me nuts, but him and another vocalist sing – the Power Rangers theme while he's playing the guitar. Like they did a collaboration and he collaborates with a couple different vocalists for a few different oh, songs. Ten, ten Second Songs is his name. Ten, yeah, that's that's his channel, Ten this, Second Song. This guy's good but, too. I like him a lot. Yeah, he can he can sing. Yeah. I, I mean that's the whole premise of his channel is that yeah. he can sing like anything. <laughs> yeah. He does um enter Sandman in twenty different styles. Um if I remember correctly, he does he does a Metallica song as David Bowie. Yeah, his Bowie's really good. Yeah. His Bowie's really good. Uh, the one that actually kind of blew me away outside of the, the metal genre, but he did a 10-second uh, song, Eminem's Rap God in 40 Different Styles. Wow. And he goes off. It's, it's pretty impressive because he is more of a – I mean, he does some, like, electronica and kind of uh pop versions of stuff but a lot of the stuff he sings is what you would consider more of your your rock 
vocal sound various genres of rock or whatever like you know bowie's rock you know everything like that but um yeah he gets into some stuff Bowie's that, like and, everything like <laughs> i'm surprised bowie didn't do a rap album like seriously like, yeah the weekend Starboy in 20 styles um yes we're listening to that you're like check please yes but uh yeah these two guys and they've collaborated together on a few things but those are two musical styles we're talking about something that's like weird and different it's it's almost taking the formula of what you like with with your music of something that's familiar something you know breaking it apart into its elements and then infusing a different aspect to it so for e-rock it's infusing like a really technically proficient guitar player or for 10 second songs it's Hey, let's take this song you know, but sing it like other artists that you know. I so you have that have kind to... of dissonance in your brain where you're thinking like, and now all I want to hear is Enter Sandman by Bowie. Like that's the only thing I've ever wanted to hear in my whole life. I like, had to it... pause this because he just did. He's doing Starboy by the Weekend, and he did it in the in the um, he did it as Disturbed, and it fucking sounds like a song. It should have been a Disturbed song. Yeah, like it, it's it's it, like... it plays with that like kind of. Where you're thinking like, oh, what if? Like, let's do this Marvel what if version of our universe where Bowie did sing that song. Or this was a, uh, this pop song was written by, all you know, freaking Smash Mouth or whatever. <laughs> I'm looking up David Bowie sings Metallica. I, I knew he did it. I just had to find it. Like, <laughs> Oh, yeah. It might be their Enter Sandman one. Like he did a twenty styles of Sandman, and then somebody like that like, got yeah. that got so popular that he was like, "All right, well, I'm going to sing as Bowie or something like that." But that's exactly yeah, what I'm it was. Yeah, it, it, though those two guys are something where um, I, I can't really recommend them enough. Yeah, they're awesome. I want. I, I think we need to reach out to them and be like, "Dude, can, how the hell do you come up with this stuff?" Like. Can we just sit here and interview you and fawn over you for the next hour? <laughs> is that cool? You down with that? Like, yeah, exactly. Oh, yeah. This is... Yeah, th- I'm, I'm waiting. It's building right now. It's like that intro where he's... But it's very, like, funk and, like, very 70s uh, Enter Sandman, apparently. <laughs> and there's some trumpet for some reason. Oh, there's a 70s. Okay. Like, I remember um, I would listen to that one Smodcast. Um, it, it, the, the dude that's with Kevin Smith, That's it's, I'm going to kill myself for not remembering this. Um, but he, he does uh, vocal work, and he works on, um, like, I know he's done Family Guy and everything. He does a really good Adam West impression, but he would sing like Bowie. But oh, yeah. I, think this, I think this dude can do it a little bit better. <laughs> his, his Bowie's amazing but like not only that he put the production value in there too because he has he has bowie um harmonizing with himself so he literally laid down two different bowie vocal tracks for this like that's incredible he very easily could have just done one track and everybody would be like oh yeah it's bowie but no he put a second one in there because this dude gives a shit and pays attention like this is this is why i love music like this people who were like let's do some weird shit like yeah. It, it was Ralph Garman, by the way. Ralph um, Thank you. Yeah. Um, but I know it was going to drive you nuts if you didn't figure it out. It was. And not only to figure it out, but to correct myself, you know, on air so people aren't getting mad and sending, you know, content to us. Like, it's Ralph Garman, idiot. Um, but, yeah, the, that that's always one of those things I've enjoyed where it was taking 
Um, let's go all the way back to American Idiot. I remember when that mashup album of American Idiot came out. The, the I don't know who actually did it, but like the anagram they used, their their quote unquote artist name was Dean Gray, which is just Green Day, you know, reimagined, <laughs> just scrambled up there. But and they took every track from American Idiot and mashed it up with various other songs and and. and the songs they found fit so nicely oh, yeah. with and and like i remember hearing uh boulevard of broken dreams with wonderwall and i yeah. was like these songs were made for each other and that was the first time i really remember thinking like oh so you don't just have to like listen to a song like you can like do stuff with them like it's not just like the art of listening to a song and going this would be good if it was playing in the background of a movie like you can actually like take the song and deconstruct it and rebuild it in interesting ways or add these different touches or flourishes to it. Um, you know, the two we mentioned here, are just two that I particularly like, but I think that's one of the things like with the idea of what we're talking about on this is like um, weird songs out there, songs, uh, concept albums, like doing something more than just writing like a three chord song. Yeah. Those songs have their places, but this is people who are taking music and and reconstructing it or making it you know stretch out or do something beyond yeah. the normal bounds of what you would think a song is those those three chord songs are those microwave uh, coffee mug cakes where you just pour it in pour some water mix it together throw it in the microwave for a minute and it's it's good it's delicious it's wonderful um, the stuff we're talking about is a souffle where it's complex and you have to do it exactly right or it's not gonna come out. Like, that's what this is. Where it's like, this might not work. All this stuff that I just threw together, this might be horrible, but actually it turned out to be pretty good, so. I've decided the name of this particular episode of the podcast based on this is just food analogies on point. (laughs) Yeah. Because, I mean, every food analogy you've made tonight is just exactly what we're talking about. You're welcome. Um, the, the, um... To answer your question, Dean Gray is uh, it's two folks, as a matter of fact. It is Party Ben and Team Nine under the shared alias Dean Gray. So there you have it, folks. Um, I have this album somewhere too. I like, downloaded it at one point, and it it is really really good. Um, let me look up. We're gonna look up Dean Gray, and the first one we're gonna look up is Boulevard of Broken Songs. That's the actual name of the uh, track. Track three is Boulevard of Broken Songs. So, oh yeah, they were great with it. They came up with like titles for all of them. I I know there's some really good ones like Doctor Who on Parade or something like that. I, I don't know. There was some Doctor Who yeah, on Holiday. Some, yeah, on Holiday. That's it. There, there, there were some real bangers on there. Yeah, this is this is good. This will this will be a great song for us to kind of wrap up on. Um, so we were hoping we were gonna get some MC Brooks on here, but he's busy. He's doing stuff. He's out there. Pounding the pavement, talking to people, seeing Luke Cage, talk about Luke Cage shit. Uh, he's at AwesomeCon. We'll get a full recap at some point, man. Let him live his life. Oh, he came on. Look at that. I knew he was there here. It is. I knew that if I talked about him long enough that he would just jump on the podcast. So. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I've been listening for like the last 15 minutes or so. Sweet. How is AwesomeCon MC Brooks? Uh, Not to be cliche, but it's... uh. Pretty awesome. <laughs> That's good. Cause I'm, to to I'm, say the least. I'm glad that you're enjoying it because uh, you know the Mike Lunsford stance on AwesomeCon right now is a double middle finger. So 
I'm glad that somebody from GGR can go there and represent them without being a bitter asshole like I would be. So, Mike Lunsford flipping the double bird. Yeah, that's me, man. <laughs> double bird Lunsford's back in town. Look out, ladies. Look out, parents. Hide your daughters. Oh, double bird Lunsford. Uh, uh, that might have to be your new nickname. I, I think. I think it just happened. <laughs> That can be like your alter ego whenever you have like an angry rant about someone. Oh, that might work. Because that used to be Frank Frank Landau, but everybody knows that. Everybody's onto that, and they know that when I give them fake phone numbers, I'm giving them 1-800-ASK-FOR-ASK, yeah, so I can't do that don't, anymore. Don't, don't dial any number that man ever tells you. <laughs> In fact, just destroy your phone. <laughs> just don't give me the opportunity. It's just like when you when I send you a blind link that doesn't like actually show what the link is, most likely it's Meatsman. Don't click that link. You'll get yeah, on the list. Yeah. Every time yeah. I send Steve something, I'm like, dude, Steve, check this trailer out. He's like, this better not be meat spin. <laughs> Even if it clearly says, like, GGR.com, I'm like, no, nah, I don't think fun, so. It could be meat spin. It's definitely yeah. meat spin. <laughs> oh, my God. What is wrong with us? Um... So other than other than seeing Mike Coulter do Mike Coulter things uh, and talk about Luke Cage, what else have you seen at AwesomeCon so far that has been of note? Well, I did go to the Office panel, which was uh, which was pretty great. Oh, that's like uh, perfect timing because you just binged it. Yeah, yeah, it was so it was so perfect. Um, so they they have Oscar, Oscar Meredith and Creed, who were part of the Office panel, but unfortunately Creed actually hurt himself when coming out. What? So he actually wasn't. He actually wasn't. Uh, didn't get to be part of the of the panel. Uh, so it was just Oscar, Oscar and Meredith, just kind of recapping and talking about their their time on the office. And I, and honestly, how huh? did he hurt himself? Like, what did he do? I, I think he fell or something when coming out from behind the curtain. Oh my god! From where I could, from where I could see, I, I saw him just kind of on the ground. And so he had to be helped back up. I mean, then he, he walked on stage. And then when uh, when he walked on stage, they realized there was a little bit of blood on his jeans. And so they then they took him to uh, to first aid. Oh, my God. <laughs> That's yeah. he, wasn't, he wasn't trying to do the perfect cartwheel, was he? <laughs> <laughs> no, no. Well, I, I, we'll never know. I didn't, I didn't actually see it. <laughs> um, we'll never know. They, 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 said, they said he's fine. That he went the first stage just kind of as a as a precaution, but I mean, still having still having uh, Oscar and, and Meredith um, up on stage, kind of answering fan questions and talking about a lot of the behind the scenes stuff was, was still pretty still pretty cool. And uh, I think the most noteworthy thing that, that came from it, aside from Creed's injury, was uh, both of them basically admitting that they'd be open to being part of an office reboot if it were to ever come. That is pretty awesome. Do you think, like, I, I would love it. I, I just want that to be on record. But do you think that would end up like Futurama, where it's everyone's like, oh, I love that. I love that show. It was my favorite thing. Please bring it back. And now it's back. Like, cool, we, we did something. I'm not actually going to watch it. And then it just ends up kind of fizzling. Oh, I gotcha. Yeah, kind of like, yeah, yeah I can see that. Yes. Yeah. I don't, yeah, I don't think they could, I, I don't think they could do it. Uh, I, I mean, they, if, if they did do it, it would certainly be super watered down just because of the climate we're in now. And like the jokes that they got away with in the mid 2000s, <laughs> they could not do in, in this in this climate. Just it, it just wouldn't wouldn't be possible. Um, 
So I, I don't I don't think so. But they they did actually kind of speculate on what that could look like. Like if they did re, if they did uh, like a what what are they doing now? Six years after the finale, uh, <laughs> six years after the finale, and Meredith was like she'd probably be a stripper like her son. <laughs> <laughs> And Oscar was like, he'd probably be a political candidate, which I was like, yeah, that considering what happens, yeah, that that makes a lot of sense. <laughs> I, I think I would be open to like something like if they did like a two-hour special or something, you know, like yeah. not like don't do seasons or whatever, but like you said, like make it like it's a follow-up to the documentary, and then do like a special. I think I think that would get a lot of views. I think people would really like it. Okay. Oh yeah. Now that yeah. You, now that you have fully caught up and watched all of the office mc i can finally share with you the wonderful theory that i absolutely have fallen in love with it's the theory that jim halpert is a piece of shit like (laughs) have you have you read any of this yet no so like everybody who watched this show me included kind of projected themselves on the gym you're like oh he's he's funny and he doesn't really enjoy this job he hates it but he's doing it because he's you know kind of good at it but he's not putting his full effort into it like he was all of us we were all him at one point or another but basically yep. they go into detail about how he was kind of a scumbag you're like all right first off so like he he breaks up roy and pam and in kind of a shitty way like he does it then he's just like i'm out moving to new york and then he kind of like not like tricks Rashida Jones, but basically is like, hey, why don't you move in? Or like move down here. She moves down there and then he never even dates her. He just kind of strings strings her along and then ends up getting together with Pam, completely fucking her over. Like there's just like this laundry list of things that like everybody's like, here's all the things that Jim did that made him a total scumbag. And it's like, it's kind of funny, but it's also kind of like eye-opening where you're like, wow, maybe he was a douchebag. See, my, my whole thing is, though, like, I, I don't think he broke up Roy and Pam any more than he just kind of made Pam realize how terrible Roy was to her. And, I mean, she she, she just made the decision. Like, she, she ended up just making the decision of her own volition yeah. anyway. Well, you there's, know? There's also... I, I mean, the, no, I'm sorry. Go ahead. <laughs> no, no. What were you saying? I was going to say there's also a theory that he was the uh, Scranton Strangler, so... Well, everyone's a Scranton Strangler. the The big thing was Toby for a while, right? Yeah, yeah it was Toby. Oh, they actually, they actually, uh, they actually were uh, were talking about that too at the panel, and mentioned that like there, there was like there weren't there wasn't like this big mastermind behind the scenes thing. It was like anything that was Scranton Strangler included was like something that the writers just kind of made up as they were going along. Like they weren't there wasn't like this big elaborate. Thing where they were trying to, to plant these Easter eggs to make you sway one way or the other. So, what is what do you got coming up next? Like, what's what's on tap for the rest of Awesome Con weekend for you? So tomorrow, I'm going to go see the the John Bernthal Q and A. Oh, dude, oh, I'm so that's jealous. Great. That's awesome. Oh yeah, oh yeah, and and I mean, I didn't talk much about the the Luke Cage, my culture one, but. He gave a lot of really great little little nuggets about kind of stuff that he would have liked to do, uh, stuff that he would have liked to do with the with the character, and uh, just as far as uh, cameos and, and teaming up with some of the others, he gave a lot of really really interesting nuggets. Like uh, he like he said that they were there, you know, they they wanted to bring Bush Bushmaster back for season three, 
because he, you know, because he it didn't feel like Bushmaster was actually like like a villain per se. That he and Luke could have been, you know, in a, in a different world under different circumstances, they could have been friends or or colleagues or something like that. So they yeah. they did have plans to bring Bushmaster back for a role in in season three. Um, and, and so I'm hoping when I go see Jonathan Bernthal tomorrow that I'm going to, you know, kind of get a couple of interesting nuggets like that, you know, about kind of like behind the scenes with the, the Punisher and, you know, what they may have uh, been into, what they may have been wanting to do going forward uh, with the character. In addition to that, I'm going to go see the Riverdale, uh, Riverdale panel tomorrow. Um, I do want to go see Danielle Panabaker's Q&A at some point. Well, because she's just uh, adorable, anyways. Like, uh, I've been—I I won't lie—I've been laughing at her all day because uh, when me and my friend were passing by her uh, autograph uh, place earlier, like when you looked over because there were a bunch of lines up because there were a bunch of people over there, like you actually couldn't tell that she was over there because the way she was dressed, like she looked like one of the staff. So we, like <laughs> we were just kind of calling her the help because we could and it, and it, didn't, it didn't help that she looked like the exact like the woman who was also at the panel who was like moderating you know the guests who were taking pictures or getting autographs and whatnot so <laughs> um that was that was pretty that was pretty funny um but i do want to go see her q a especially because um and i'll probably tell you guys this off air but uh, there was some uh, interesting news about the flash that came out earlier today and uh, kind of, it's kind of a big deal. So, uh, uh, yeah. So I'm, I'm, I'm kind of, I'm kind of really interested to, to see uh, what, what she's going to say now that I mean, the Flash is already wrapped up. You know, there are a couple episodes from the finale, and uh, yeah. And, and in, in addition to that, I just want to see a bunch of uh, cool cosplayers. There's a lot of in-game cosplayers, uh, unsurprisingly, who are who are here dressed up as various people from uh, the movie and uh, yeah I'm looking forward to seeing all of them dude all I'm saying is is like for Endgame like I'm so happy that I now have like a, a cosplayer that I don't really have to stretch for like to be I can totally be Fat Thor now <laughs> or uh, or the Boy, oh. the great Thorbowski as <laughs> yeah was it were you were you also kind of disappointed when he goes i could go for a bloody mary i was like why didn't you say white russian because right? that would have been a better joke <laughs> okay let's stop right there that's the only spoiling we're gonna do and that's not even a spoiler yeah. okay like that's all you need to know like <laughs> we'll save this for another episode because like oh my god there's so much to talk about we're gonna save all of mc's awesome con stuff for another episode i think awesome con and endgame next week sounds like the greatest lineup ever we just talk about awesome yeah, con and end game and like we're never going to get to the biggest redemption in sports history like we're never going to talk about it like ever it's just not going to happen because we're going to keep having other awesome shit come up yeah. who knows maybe at some point we'll find out who won the tournament too oh yeah see this is oh. what happens when we got ggr pirate radio we have so many yeah, great ideas and things to talk about we forget <laughs> about other projects we started I, like, the, the april of, of awesomeness just kind of sucked up my life because freaking like I go to DC and then you got Shazam and Endgame I mean we haven't even as a group collectively talked about Game of Thrones once on like any of these podcasts episode 3 is this Sunday we haven't even mentioned it like April has been an app like where the all everything all the planets are aligned for nerddom oh yeah it's an emotional weekend for nerds everywhere between Endgame 
and what I'm hearing about this next episode of the Game of Thrones. Yeah. I think that, God, we have so much stuff to talk about. It's going to be awesome. We've got episodes for days, ladies and gentlemen. There's going to be so much stuff coming up later. Um, but I hate to do this to you guys. I love you. But I want to talk to MC about what he heard about The Flash. So on that note... <laughs> We're going to go ahead and wrap up this episode of GGR Pirate Radio. Guys, make sure you check out the website. It's greatgeekrefuge.com. There's podcasts. There's articles. I swear, there's going to be an article. We haven't written an article in like six months, but I swear to God there's going to be one soon. I'm working on my review of Star Trek uh, Discovery Season 2. It'll be up this weekend, I promise. Um, We'll have podcasts galore. I still have an episode of Trekville with myself and Steve Connolly uh, to post. That'll be up soon as well. You'll have plenty of GGR Pirate Radio to listen to. Plus, there's all of our back catalog stuff, which is awesome and amazing. And you'll have, I'm sure, an episode of uh, The Overflow coming up. Uh, Which, by the way, congratulations. Happy anniversary. It's been one year since you started podcasting um, with with all of us. Seriously? Okay, it's one year from when he started with that other organization that's going to fall apart here in like three months um, that we won't mention. (laughs) 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 <laughs> they're, they're, they're on their death knell right now let's just be honest okay um, but yeah it's been one year since he met me and started podcasting together But and then I brought him you know to the cool kid club and now he's doing better things and awesome things so that's like the greatest steal of all time I know right it's like I'm trying to think of a good sports trade that was just like totally one sided Maybe not a trade, but, like, maybe the Warriors picking up Kevin Durant. Yeah, right? Like, <laughs> you know, it's like, dude, isn't, I mean, it's just making something great even greater. Isn't the Herschel Walker, like, regarded as, like, one of the best heists ever? Yeah. I guess that's what it was, is we traded that other organization, um, Herschel Walker, and we got a litany of picks um, that formed the backbone of the GGR dynasty. So... I guess that makes you uh, either Emmett Smith or Michael Irvin or Russell Maryland or Leon Lett or uh, Tony Castillas. Uh, any of those guys. Yeah. I mean, I wouldn't want to be any of them because they're all cowboys and they're all scumbags, but. <laughs> <laughs> but, you know, whatever. <laughs> it would have to be like a t- I'm trying to think of like a, of like an awesome trade for like garbage, like. You got like amazing young player, and you got like some old over the hill person. It was like pretty much anything the Redskins did, like when Dan Snyder took over. It's like, hey, here you can have Bruce Smith for a bag of footballs. I don't, whatever. <laughs> That's always I, I always love that analogy for a bag of footballs. <laughs> I don't know why. That's always just uh, it's always gotten me. It's a it's a good analogy. I mean, you can't go wrong yeah. with it. Like it's. It's, it's a good mix, man. It's a good mix. But on that note, guys, ladies and gentlemen, thank you so much for joining us on GGR Pirate Radio. We got so much more stuff, as you heard, coming up soon. But for Steve, for MC, for all of us here at GGR Pirate Radio, my name is Michael Lunsford, and have yourselves a wonderful and fabulous nerdy weekend of all things uh, Endgame and Game of Thrones. Thank you for listening to GGR Pirate Radio. Make sure you check out our website greatgeekrefuge.com for more podcasts and our awesome articles. You run around this city like it's your damn shooting gallery. Yeah, what do you do? What do you do? 
You act like it's a playground. You beat up the bullies with your fists, you throw them in jail, everybody calls you a hero, right? And then a month, a week, a day later, they're back on the streets doing the yeah. same goddamn so, thing. So you just put them in the morgue. You goddamn right, Poorly clever. Make a wish. Wish you weren't so fucking awkward, bud. This has been Pirate Radio Network Production Juice Bags. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, boy!